Okay, this class is dedicated to the Refua Shlema, the speedy recovery of our son, Pinchas David ben Rachelivia, who is on his way to improvement from a viral infection, and um, he should be feeling better any day now. He's actually smiling a lot, so I think he is feeling better, but his breathing is a little bit too fast. So they uh, they want him to stay getting air so that he is fully recovered before we take him home. Um, but anyway, it's great to be with you guys, and let's hope he doesn't start crying soon. Okay, if he does, you'll all forgive me, and I'll pause the recording. Okay, let's begin. There's a lot to talk about today, and... Um, this week's Parsha is called Kisisa, and there are a lot of amazing themes in this week's Parsha. Today I want to talk about Shabbos. We're going to talk specifically about the idea of the second soul, or the extra soul that we get on Shabbos. We might have talked about it a little bit in the past. We're going to talk about it specifically in re- relation to the mitzvah of Havdalah. For those of us who have been to a Shabbaton, you know that Shabbos begins with something called Kiddush, or first candle lighting, women write candle lighting, and then a husband makes Kiddush when he comes home from Shul, Kiddush, which is a, a prayer on the on wine or grape juice, which essentially starts the sanctity of Shabbos, bringing on the sanctity of Shabbos. And then Shabbos ends with a similar, a dual Ritual, which also involves the lighting of candles, which is called Havdalah. There's a lighting of a Havdalah candle, which is a braided candle, and also a blessing on a cup of wine, in which we we recognize that we're now stepping out of Shabbos into the regular weekday again. And so we're coming down from the sanctity of Shabbos. And I want to talk a little bit about some of the rituals of Havdalah, including something that we don't do Friday night, although some people do have the custom. Uh, myself, do, my family does have this custom to spell, smell spices Friday night at the Shabbos meal. And also, everyone has the custom to smell spices after Shabbos. And the question is why? What's the significance of the smelling of spices after Shabbos? And um, although Sephardim and some Hasidim and some Jerusalem Jews do have the custom spelling spices on Friday night as well. So they're really parallel rituals. I want to talk about Havdalah. Uh, Let's just run through some of the themes in this week's Parsha and see if we can tie them all together. The Parsha begins with something called the half shekel, the machs shekel, which a shekel was a coin or a measurement of, uh, of, 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 uh, of value. And all the Jewish people in the desert were told to give a half a shekel, which is interesting. Why a half a shekel? It was sort of like a tax to pay for the upkeep of the um, of the Mishkan, of the tabernacle. And the question again is, why a half a shekel? Why not a whole shekel? Why was that weight chosen? We all know in Israel a shekel is a type of coin. Um uh, but it's really a weight. No, it's a coin. It's a type of coin. But um, again, why a half a shekel? And it says that somehow this giving of this half a shekel, this tax to the upkeep of the of the of the temple, 
which the, this custom continued for all the years that the Jews were in had a temple of the Jewish people giving a half a shekel right in the month of Adar, right before Purim, and we still do it today. We still give uh, charity in the value of um, of a half a shekel before Purim. So, and it says specifically that it's an atonement for our souls. Why specifically is it an atonement for our souls? Then we have um, the incense in the temple, which is very interesting. Um, the incense is is a very holy thing. Incense was brought in the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur, and also every day of the year there was some incense brought in the temple on the altar. And there's some a lot of interesting things said about incense. One is that it, it pushes off a plague. So there was a lot of talk about the incense a few years ago at the beginning of COVID, which started actually this week's Parsha. Um, there's also another amazing connection to COVID in this week's Parsha that Moshe, when he came down from Mount Sinai, his face was glowing and he put on a mask to hide his face. And uh, the truth is, is that the Hebrew word um, mask comes from the Hebrew word masecha or mesech, which means a scream. So I thought that was very cool a few years ago. And it says that Moshe had, I wrote this uh, two years ago, that Moshe, when he came off from outside, he had something called carne hod, which are rays of light that were shining off of his head when he came down from Mount Sinai. And it was so bright that he had to cover it with a mask. But because of that word, has anyone ever heard of the um, the anti-Semitic or, or legend or custom or belief that Jews have horns? Anyone ever ask you to see your horns? No? So it happens. There are plenty of people that believe that Jews have horns and that we wear these hats to cover our horns, our Jew horns. So that actually comes from this week's Parsha. Uh, if you ever see a the statue, famous statue of Moses that was made by my, by Michelangelo, I believe. Michelangelo, right? Michelangelo or Da Vinci? The famous Mike, the famous King Moses statue has actually horns, and it's because of a mistranslation. From this word, carne hod, which means rays of light. The word karen means a ray, or it also means a horn. So it was mistranslated into the Christian Latin Bible as saying that Moses had horns of light when he came down from outside. So hence the Jew horns myth. Um, fortunately, that statue, he's wearing clothes. So we have to give some credit to Michelangelo for at least giving Moses clothes because David somehow neglected to wear any in his statue. Um, all right. So, so then we have, uh, most famous in this week's Parsha is that Moses comes down with the two tablets with the Ten Commandments written on them and he finds the Jews worshiping a golden calf and he immediately smashes the tablets goes up to Mount Sinai, prays for another 40 days that the Jewish people should be forgiven. We talked about last week's Parsha. He says, if you don't forgive them, then wipe me out from your book. And then they're forgiven. He goes up for another 40 days and comes down with the second tablets, which he actually carved himself. Most, the first tablets, it says, were written by God. They had a certain divine writing on them. 
uh, Talmud explains that they, the, the letters actually went right through, that it was readable on both sides. Um, the second tablets were just were carved by man, but um, those ones were not smashed. And that's the end of the Parsha. So I want to try to tie together some of these themes. But we will begin with talking about Shabbos. Because in this week's Parsha, we have a famous verse about Shabbos. Six days work shall be done. And on the seventh, it is a day of complete rest. Whoever put, performs work on Shabbos, that soul will be put to death. The children of Israel shall observe the Sabbath to make the Sabbath throughout the generations as an everlasting covenant. It is an eternal sign between me and the children of Israel that in six days God created the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh, He Shavas v'inafash. We're going to talk about these words, Shavas v'inafash. Shavas is the word Shabbos. What does Shabbos mean? Oh, to cease. It means to cease. But it also has another connotation. Does anyone know any other connotation of the word Shabbos? Shabbos. Rest. It's translated as rest. It really does mean more of like Ronnie said, to cease. To stop. But it is definitely connotated with rest and often translated as rest. But there's another meaning of the word Shabbos. Has anyone ever heard of, hear of the Hebrew word Shev or Shuv? Shuva or Yeshiva? Anyone? <laughs> so Yeshiva is an easy one. Comes from the word Shev, which means to sit. Yeshiva is a study hall. It's an academy and where people sit and learn. It's a place of sitting. And so the word Shev means to settle, to sit, which is related to the word of Shabbos, which meaning essentially to come to rest, like Julia said, or like Ronnie, to cease doing anything else and just to be present. The word shuv or tshuva means repentance. To, but literally means to return. To return. So Shabbos is a certain returning to a settled state, ceasing to do stuff, and returning to state of being. That's Shabbos. That's the best definition of Shabbos. Returning to a settled state. And then it says the word, V'yinafash. V'yinafash is related to the Hebrew word nefesh. Does anyone know what the Hebrew word nefesh means? Or the modern Hebrew word nofesh? Soul. Nefesh means soul. And the modern Hebrew word nofesh means... Vacation. <laughs> so what's the connection there? Soul and vacation. But again, this word is a little bit confusing because what does it mean? Shabbos, God ceased or God returned or God rested. Vinafash, and literally, and he sold. But it's often translated as he, he was refreshed or he rested. So... It's interesting because that's not really what it means. It means he was sold. He sold. Like as if you can make a verb out of the word soul. He sold. S-O-U-L-E-D. So what's the significance of this word? 
So I would like to share with you a few explanations, and one of them is quite profound. The Talmud says, they're both actually quite profound. The Talmud says, now I think maybe on the simple explanation, and I have not looked at the commentaries to see if anyone says this on the basic level, but probably the basic explanation is that the word nefesh means to return to self, a state of rest, a state of 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 inner connection to soul, right? So it is a state of rest. That's why when a person goes on vacation, they're no fish. Their soul is being replenished. There's that sense of self. So I think that is probably the basic explanation, is that it does have to do something with the word rest. But there are other ways to say rest or refreshed in Hebrew. Why does it use the word soul? Sold. So the Talmud says two things. First of all, I'll share with you what the Orachim says. The Orachim says the simple explanation of the... Well, you know what? We'll get to it in a second. Let's start with the Talmud. The Talmud says, makes a play on words. The, Shabbos, the Talmud says that from this word, Vayinafash, we learn that there is an extra soul on Shabbos. Something called a Neshama Yaseira. Neshama Yaseira means extra soul. How do we know that? The Talmud says because of the words Vayinafash. Vay is a Hebrew expression, like a, 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 an ancient Jewish way of saying oi, which is also an ancient Jewish way of saying oi. Right? Um, Vay, the Talmud says, since we rested, Shabbos, Vayinafash, since we rested, Vay, oi vay, I lost my nefesh. That's what the Talmud says. And what does that mean? The Talmud says, how do we know that there's an extra soul on Shabbos? Because the verse says, Shabbos v'nafash. Since we, Kevin Shabbos, since we rested, voy, oy I lost my nefesh. That's what the Talmud says. And I want you to pay very close attention. It says the Talmud, from this we see that, that when Shabbos ends, we lose our neshama yaseir. We, we lose our extra soul. And by inference, you can now deduce that there must be an extra soul on Shabbos. Because the verse is teaching us that when Shabbos ends, you lose your extra soul. Ladies and gentlemen, I ask you now to put on your Talmudic hats and think about this teaching and tell me what's wrong with this teaching. How would you have rather learned that there's an extra soul on Shabbos? Remember, the Talmud tells us, how do we know there's an extra soul on Shabbos? Because the verse, alluded in the verse, is this word oi, vai, which means that the soul must have left us after Shabbos is over. If you were God teaching us about the existence of the soul that we get on Shabbos, how would you teach it? What's wrong with this verse and this teaching from the Talmud? The floor is open. What do you mean? What, what's backwards? Something is backwards. You're correct. <laughs> Excellent. That was a good tag team. That was a good Schaefer tag team. <laughs> so, 
Excellent. If, if I wanted to teach you that there's an extra soul on Shabbos, how would I tell you? There's an extra soul on Shabbos. Why is the Talmud deducing that we have an extra soul on Shabbos from reverse, which it's learning to teach us that you lose your extra soul after Shabbos? Oh, it comes out, must be that there was an extra soul on Shabbos. You guys follow me so far? I would much rather have the verse say, when Shabbos comes, you get an extra soul. And not only that, but there's a much bigger problem. Because what does the verse actually say? Ronnie? Or anyone else? Shabbos Vayinafash. Shabbos came, God rested. Vayinafash. What did we say Vayinafash means? We said it, well, we said it could be translated as refreshed, but what does it actually literally mean? No, not that he went on vacation. That is a modern interpretation. Literally, we said, what does it literally mean? Vayinafash. Remember we said it's a verb. Sold. Shabbos came and God sold. S-O-U-L-E-D. So, wouldn't it have been easier for the Talmud to say the simple meaning of the verse is that Shabbos comes and God souls, he gives you a soul? What do you guys think about that? Makes much more sense, right? So why in the world is the Talmud teaching us that we lose the soul? As if that's the that's that's a very backwards way to teach you that you get a soul, right? That's very Jewish. Ah, ah, so so Steph's leading us in a direction of an answer of why is it significant to tell us that you lose the the Shabbos soul? Why is that so important for us to know that that Shabbos soul is not here forever? It's not here to stay. Ah, something to look forward to. Okay, but I would look forward to getting this new soul even if it didn't go away. Wouldn't I? Ah, it's some sort of state that you have to work for, but then why doesn't it last? If I work for it, shouldn't I keep it? So, going back to the simple, to the simple reading of the verse, Shabbos Vayinafash says the Orachayim HaKadosh, the great Kabbalist from Morocco, who we often quote, that it really means Shabbos came and Hashem sold. He gave the world a soul. That the very first Shabbos in the six days of creation, Hashem gave the, the world a soul. Shabbos is the soul of the world. He infused the world with spirituality. That's the, that's the seventh dimension. That's the feminine aspect of God, the Shekhinah, which dwells within the world. That's what happened on Shabbos. Hashem made the, filled the world with spirituality. Before Shabbos, the world was just disparate parts of physical things. But on Shabbos, it got tied together. Like we've said before, that the six days of creation are similar to the six sides of a cube. What makes a cube a cube? You take six squares. You take six squares, right? 
you put them together, ah, the inner space is what makes a cube a cube. Otherwise, you just have a pile of six squares. If you take six squares and you tie them together with an inner dimension, the set, that's the seventh dimension, that's Shabbos, which gives definition and tie and unity to the six aspects of creation. Shabbos is the inner space, the seventh dimension. So that's what Orchim says. That's the simple reading of the verse. Shabbos comes and the world got a soul. And so to every seventh day, when we keep Shabbos, we get a soul, which essentially we get a deeper connection to our soul. We get more soul in our life. And Rashi actually tells us that the purpose of the six, this extra soul is that it gives us a greater capacity to eat and drink and enjoy the world. And now that sounds really weird, that more soul means more eating. Now, if anyone's ever gone to a Shabbos dinner, you know that it's true. You eat a lot more on Shabbos than you can eat during the week. But nonetheless, is that the meaning of more soul, more eating? I would think more spirituality, more more praying, more connection. But what? Why is it more eating and drinking? So, all right, on Yom Kippur, which is the quote unquote the holiest day of the year, that may be up for debate. And we could talk about that closer to Purim, because there are uh, Kabbalistic sources that say that Purim is actually the holiest day of the year. But arguably, one would say that Yom Kippur is the holiest day of the year, and yet we fast. And then, it, that, but on Shabbos we eat. Now, when I first found out about Shabbos, I was very surprised that on the holy day we eat. I thought on the holy day we should fast. That made sense to me with my non-Jewish education and spirituality. I figured that's what you do on a holy day is you fast. And, and and yet we don't. Uh, something interesting is that Yom Kippur is actually called Shabbos Shabbosim. It's a Shabbos of Shabbos. It's a double Shabbos. So it's interesting. And some explain that that's why we don't eat on Yom Kippur, because Shabbos is a cessation of engagement in the physical world, and Yom Kippur is a double cessation. Not only are we not working, but we're also not eating. The Shabbos Shabbosim. It's a double Shabbos. But... Some people will tell you that actually it's not true. It's a misnomer. Yom Kippur is really not the holiest day of the year. Really, Shabbos is the holiest day of the year. And it happens every seven days. But again, it begs the question, why are we eating instead of fasting? So, so let's go back to this, this teaching from the Talmud. So the Talmud says we get this extra soul, this extra awareness of spirituality. And, and the truth is that we can answer right now why we eat and drink. Because that's precisely what Jewish spirituality is all about, is bringing the soul in to the body. That's exactly what it means that we get an extra soul. It doesn't mean that you're elevated to a higher level. It's that the higher level comes into you, and you now have the ability to engage in physicality in a more refined way, that you can actually elevate the physical, that you can connect to God through the physical. The Talmud actually says that, uh, or, or Kabbal Kabbalistically, a uh, person should only eat meat on Shabbos, because on Shabbos we have the ability to uplift the greater, more physical types of food, right? To drink a little, to make a lachaim, whereas drinking and getting drunk is not really such a Jewish thing, except one day a year, coming up, Purim, which is uh, one month away from yesterday. But um, on Shabbos we also drink a little, not to the point of 
intoxication, but a little bit. Enjoy, enjoy the physical. So, because that's precisely what the goal of the extra soul is, is to bring more spirituality into you, into your body, that you can now utilize your body in a more spiritual way. So, the Talmud from this teaching that the Neshama Yisera leaves us, teaches, teaches us that after Shabbos, there's an emptiness. And that's what the verse is telling us, that the Shama leaves, this extra soul leaves. And again, we have to understand why the Talmud feels that this is the most important thing to teach us about the extra soul, is that it leaves, even though the simple way of reading the verse is that you get a soul. The Talmud tells us you lose the soul after Shabbos. So, but because of that, the Talmud, the Talmud teaches us that there's an emptiness after Shabbos, that there's a certain depression, sadness. Nature abhors a vacuum. There's a vacuum left inside you where there was once greater degree of spirituality. And as we've discussed in the past, when spirituality leaves the body, there's, there's impurity that enters the body. Impure forces, because nature abhors a vacuum. Just like when a dead body, when the soul leaves the body, the greatest impurity is the, is the human corpse, because it's lacking in the in soul. Now it gets filled with something that's called impurity. And all impurity that we find throughout the Torah is, a, is when life force ends. When life force leaves, it has to do with a lot with the procreation process, menstruation, uh, childbirth. All of these are different ways of life force diminishing. But, and because of this, we have a custom to smell spices in Havdalah after Shabbos. It said that the spices restore the soul. They help you to revive you. Right? And there are other customs to drink a hot drink after Shabbos. Uh, back in the day, before smoking was bad for you, people used to smoke a cigarette after Shabbos. And these are all means of picking yourself up. And uh, for those of you who have experienced keeping a full Shabbos, you'll notice that after Shabbos, there's usually a drive to want to go out. Go, go to, go to, go to the club, go, go out for pizza, go to a bar, watch a movie. And a lot of times that's, it's sort of like a coming back to earth after Shabbos of wanting to go engage in things you couldn't do. But to some degree, there's also uh, an emptiness that you want to fill with something because you feel that, that spirituality just left you. So we smell spices on Shabbos. And now I'm going to ask you a very difficult uh, Talmudic question, and I want you guys to think hard about this. And from this question, we're going to discover an amazing thing about the second soul on Shabbos and why the Talmud teaches us specifically that we lose it after Shabbos. Okay? So, yes. That is a fantastic question. Um, do you have to keep Shabbos in order to get the extra soul? Um, I believe that in order to experience the extra soul, you have to stop working, doing the things that you're not allowed to do, because those things prevent you from experiencing the extra soul. I believe it probably is there, but it's not tangible. I mean, we have to create space for that extra soul. How do we do that? By cessation of labor. So, um, but let's let's address that point in a minute, Ronnie, because uh, it's an excellent point about 
what we need to do in order to get this extra shalom. You'll see that it's relevant to the answer. So the Talmud, um, the medieval commentaries ask a question. And the question is as follows. Is there a second soul on holidays? We know there's a second soul on Shabbos, but is there a second soul on Passover, on Pesach, or on Sukkot, or on Shavuos, or Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur? Is there is there a second soul only on Shabbos, or is it also on the holidays? So, the following question, how would we know if there's a second soul on holidays? What do you guys say? Okay. So, so on on Yom Tov on holidays we do cease from working, but why does that mean there's an extra soul? Ah. Oh, so excellent. So Ronnie's tying together what we just said a moment ago, that it must be, since you're stopped working, you're creating space, it must be that there is extra soul that comes into you, and that's why you're not working. What would be a good proof, though, that there's an extra soul? What 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 custom might prove to us one way or the other, based on what we've just learned? So some places it does say Shabbat in relation to the holidays, and it does sometimes mention rest, perhaps. I'd have to look in the verse. Yeah, but just because we're resting, again, Ronnie wants to say that means there's an extra soul, but I want to know, is there a proof? What what ritual would would prove to us that there's an extra soul, at least based on Jewish law? Eating and drinking? Okay, good. And we do eat and drink on the holidays. Ah, excellent. So Steph is reminding us about the holiday, the the the, the ritual of Havdalah, that we start Shabbos by lighting candles. We end Shabbos with lighting a Havdalah candle. We start Shabbos making Kiddush. We end Shabbos with making Havdalah on a cup of wine. And there's one more part of that ritual which is directly related to the extra soul. What is it? Excellent. We do extinguish the Avdala candle on the wine, but the smelling spices is directly related to to this extra soul. We just said the reason you smell spices after Shabbos is because there's an extra soul. So what would be a dead giveaway that there's an extra soul on holidays? If we spell spices, there is a Havdalah on holidays. Just like when Shabbos comes in, we make Kiddush. When the holidays come in, we also make Kiddush. We do not light a candle after holidays because we do light candles before holidays. We don't light a candle after holidays. And the reason for that is that the reason we're lighting a candle on Shabbos is to commemorate fire, the first fire which was discovered by Adam 
after Shabbos, after the first Shabbos. And we'll return to the meaning behind that shortly, I believe. But we, there is something auspiciously missing besides the lighting of the candle, which there's a very specific reason for that, that we do it after Shabbos. We do not light a candle after holidays. And another reason given is that on Shabbos, we're not allowed to use fire. So therefore, after Shabbos, we're rekindling the flame to show that Shabbos is over. But on holidays, you are allowed to use fire. So Yom Kippur, where you're not allowed to use fire, there is a Havdalah candle after Yom Kippur. We do make a blessing on light. Okay, But there is no appearance on holidays of spelling spices, basamen. We do not make a spice blessing after holidays. So that would lead one to believe that there is no extra soul on holidays. But the medieval commentaries, the Rishonim, Tosvos, the Ramban, the Rashbam, and others ask the question, if it's true that there is no soul on holidays, so then what about when you have a Shabbos that falls on a Friday, uh, uh, right before a holiday? What if you have a holiday right after Shabbos? Holiday starts Saturday night. Then what do you do? So there is actually a Havdalah that is made between Shabbos and a holiday. You make a Havdalah to distinguish between the Shabbos holiness, which is a higher level of holiness, from the holiday holiness. You you make a blessing on light. You, you make a blessing on a candle. You make a blessing on a cup of wine to distinguish between Shabbos and the holiday, but you do not make a blessing on spices. So one second. It's a contradiction. Do you guys hear the contradiction? So you would think that because we don't make a blessing on spices after a regular holiday, that there's no second soul on a holiday. But then what should you do after Shabbos that falls right before a holiday? What should you do when you make Havdalah between Shabbos and the holiday? If there's no extra soul on the holiday. No, no, if there is no extra soul on the holiday. No extra soul on the holiday. You would spell spices because you just lost your extra soul. There's going to be a little depression. You're going into a holiday. So which is it? Is there an extra soul or is there not an extra soul? Do you guys hear the contradiction? On a regular... If it's a Shabbos and holiday on the same day? Okay, so if the holiday starts on Friday night, so then we would make it after. We would... So if, if the holiday, if Passover falls on Friday night, so then Saturday night you would make spices. Except that's in Israel. You, would you? I think you would. <laughs> Good question. I don't remember. But again, a regular holiday, no spices. A Friday night that falls a holiday that falls on a Saturday night, also no spices. Doesn't make sense. What happened to the extra soul? What happened to the depression? So there are several answers to, to this question. I think the Tosfos says that 
It's very simple. There is a depression. The soul does leave you. And there is no soul on holidays. But because you're going right into a, a meal, you're having a, a Saturday night meal for your holiday, right? Friday, Shabbos ends Saturday night, and then Passover begins Saturday night, so you're going into a Passover Seder. So you're going to be eating, and that's going to fill up the emptiness. Got it? So that's one answer. The other answer, Ramban and others say differently. They say no. Some proof from this that there, 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 so Tosma said there is no extra soul. Others say, no, there is an extra soul on holidays. So how do you explain the absence of spices? Anyone want to try to come up with a solution? If there is an extra soul, why aren't we making a blessing on spices? Anyone, anyone. Why, why, if there is an extra soul on holidays, why no spices after the holidays? So says the Ramban, because the extra soul on holidays never goes away. The extra So there's an extra soul that comes into the body on Shabbos and then it leaves after Shabbos. Then there's an, an extra soul that comes into the body on holidays. It doesn't go away. It does not leave. It stays with you forever. It becomes part of you. So what's the qualitative difference between these two different extra souls that one of them lasts and the other doesn't? Now we can understand why when there's a Friday night that goes into a holiday, a Shabbos that goes into a holiday on Saturday night, there's no spices because the extra soul of Shabbos doesn't leave. It just continues into the holiday and becomes even greater. So the answer, I believe, is as follows. That the whole purpose of the extra soul on Shabbos is that, it's, is that it leaves. It's something that comes into you and is not going to last. Why? Because you've done nothing to earn it. And we have a rule in spirituality that free gifts don't last. Something comes to you without any effort, it will not last. It's a taste. It's a gift. Gifts don't stay. So you get a taste of the extra soul on Shabbos. It goes away after Shabbos. But on holidays, holidays come about because of our effort. The holidays require us to do something. Shabbos is in the world every seventh day. You don't have to do anything, Ronnie, to get Shabbos. All you have to do is stop working to experience the Shabbos. But you don't have to do anything positive. You just have to stop doing other things. But on holidays, holidays don't happen unless we actually have to sanctify the holiday. It's a whole process. We've talked about it in the past. We'll talk about it again sometime. It requires the sighting of the new moon. Depending on when the new moon is sighted, that determines when the holidays fall out. There's a whole ritual to sanctify that time and accounting process that leads to the, the day of the holiday. It doesn't happen automatically. Without uh, the Jewish people in involvement, there would be no holidays. But Shabbos happens without our effort. Shabbos is part of the process of creation. 
It's built into the fabric of time. Holidays are uniquely Jewish. They're based on our own perception and our own actions. So because holidays require our effort, the spirituality that comes about from the holiday lasts forever. So now we can understand why the Talmud teaches us the significance of the the, the existence of the extra soul from the fact that we lose the extra soul. And that's because the whole purpose of the extra soul is that you lose it. Because that's the way free gifts work. Free gifts are a taste of what could be. We've talked about in the past, love at first sight, beginner's luck. Inspiration is something that you taste and then inevitably you lose because it's supposed to give you a desire to earn it back on your own through your effort and your action. So every Shabbos we get a taste of who we could be. We get a taste of who we really are. We get more connection to our true self, to our soul. Deeper, our soul becomes more part of our body. But we lose it, and then we have six days to earn it back through our efforts in the week to become more connected to who I just experienced. I got a taste of who I am, a taste of who I really am. Now I have six days to earn that connection through working on myself and refining myself, developing sensitivity to spirituality, that next week I should start, my next Shabbos should start where my last Shabbos began. So it becomes like an es- like a stepping, a stepping stone, that each week I should be starting where last Shabbos ended. And then I get another extra soul and I jump up to another level. And then I lose that and then I have to climb up to that level. So then the next Shabbos should start even higher, and then I lose that, and like so that each week I should be climbing higher and higher in my awareness of spirituality and connection to myself. That's that's the idea of, and the Talmud is teaching us that the whole significance of the extra soul is that I lose it, because that is the purpose of the extra soul, is it's a taste and a window into who I really am, into my future self. Shabbos is a glimpse into who I could be next week. I could spend this week earning it, developing myself and connecting to myself so that next Shabbos I'm going to begin where I ended last Shabbos and then jump to an even higher level of self. You guys get the idea? That's that's the idea. You get it? Yes? Question? So... Yes, the whole reason we lose it is because it was given to us as a gift, as a glimmer of a taste, of a window into our potential, our future potential of who we could be next week. And as we climb up in our, in our, use our week properly, so next week we'll begin where shop, where last week ended off, and then we'll jump even higher. So that, that's, that's the process of, of what Shabbos is supposed to be. So, so now I think we can understand something amazing in this week's Parsha, a few different ideas that perhaps we could tie together is, first of all, going back to Havdalah, why is it that we light candles after Shabbos? So we mentioned that Adam discovered fire after Shabbos. Why? What's the significance? 
So the Talmud tells us that in the Garden of Eden, there was a certain spiritual light. The light of the original creation that existed in the first six days of existence. And in, it existed on Shabbos. But because Adam sinned, whatever that means, the that light was taken out of the world. So he experienced 36 hours of spiritual light from the moment he was created on Friday until the end of Shabbos. When Shabbos ended, that spiritual light was taken out of the world. And now what did Adam do? He went and discovered fire. He took two sticks and rubbed them together, the Talmud says, and he discovered fire. Because the first light that he experienced on Shabbos was a free gift. It was a taste of inspiration into what could be, into spiritual understanding and awareness that that light represents. But then it was removed from the world after Shabbos. And now Adam has to go and utilizing his own ingenuity and creativity. He has to bring that fire back into the world. The exact same process. And that's why we light candles after Shabbos. We could see from this an amazing connection as well. We talked at the beginning of the Parsha of the half shekel. What's the half shekel? So it says that Moshe was, the Talmud says, was confused about what this shekel, this half shekel coin looks like. And it says that Hashem showed him a fiery coin. There are actually three places in the Torah that the Talmud says that Moshe had a trouble understanding something and where God showed him a fiery vision of that thing. And one of those examples is this coin. What's the significance? Is that the coin represents our half. We have half the shekel. Hashem has the other half. The other half is our soul. We are only seeing half of the picture. The other half is what exists in the spiritual world. Our job is to reunite those two halves through our efforts. We're given a piece of the puzzle. We're given an inspiration, a spark. Hashem shows us the other half of the soul, the fiery coin. We have to now earn that other half through our efforts. And I believe that that's the significance of the whole story of the golden calf and the two tablets. That the first tablets were given to Moshe by God. The Talmud says explicitly from a verse in this week's parts that it was given to him like a, like a bride, like a gift, like a bride given to a groom. It's a gift. And Rashi says that Moshe had a very hard time learning the Torah that he was given, and he kept forgetting it. Every day for the 40 days that Moshe was on the mountain, he tried to remember what he was being taught, and he forgot it every single day. And on the last day, Hashem gave, gave it to him as a gift. It was given to him in some sort of, as a gift, representing the idea of that first inspiration. And then he came down, and those first tablets were spiritual in their nature. They were written by the finger of God, the Torah said. And then Moshe smashed those tablets. Because that first inspiration doesn't last. But the second tablets, he had to chisel and carve with his own hands. And those ones lasted. Because it's what comes about through our effort that lasts. We get a taste, a taste of our potential, and then we have to earn it. Same thing with beginner's luck, love at first sight. You get a taste when you first get married. The honeymoon phase, we talked about it a few weeks ago. Talk about it all the time. It's, it's to inspire you to want more, but then it goes away. That doesn't mean it's the wrong one or, or a bad relationship or a bad job. It means now it's your turn. Now you have to do the work to earn it back. And so um, we should all be blessed to connect our true selves 
that each and every week of our life, we should be growing closer and closer to our true potential, to who we really are. And to put in the effort, once we get that taste, once we get that glimmer of inspiration, to then put in the effort to integrate that inspiration into our life so that it becomes part of us and then it's truly ours and it lasts forever. Thank you all for listening. I want to wish everyone a beautiful, beautiful week and a beautiful Shabbos and a beautiful next week.